welcome to our show. This is going to be terrible. We're three friends hanging out, talking about whatever seems interesting at the time. Don't say we didn't warn you. If we haven't met before, hi, my name is Robert. Hey, I am James. I'm Nathan. So, gentlemen, how has your week been? Anything new? Anything interesting? I got my third COVID vaccine shot. Nice. Early, too. <laughs> Ooh, number three. Yeah. He's. I think Robert and I have to wait until October-ish? Something like that. Well, I'm Although... immunocompromised, so I get special treatment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that makes up for it. I did get to, speaking of disease-ridden things, uh, Fortnite, I got to try it. It was all right. I don't know if it's going to make my recommendations list anytime soon, but there is something to say about a free-to-play game that basically shoves buy this stuff now in your face. Yeah. That's all I got to say. And I mean, if you're comparing disease-ridden things, you voluntarily chose to try Fortnite. I don't believe that Nathan voluntarily chose to try out immunocompromisation. And I butchered that word, but I don't care. We all knew what you meant. Oh, well. What disease-ridden news do you have for us, James? Or not news, but... (laughs) None. (laughs) Hooray! His news must be immune. So, speaking of news, let's move on to our news segment. Uh, we'll share some news topics we found interesting throughout the week from since our last episode. And so we'll go ahead and start with Nathan. Yeah, I heard about Lucasfilm has officially hired a YouTube deepfaker that has put them to shame. And they, uh, I saw examples of him replacing Luke's face from The Mandalorian in uh, the final episode of season two, and also uh, Tarkin and Leia from Rogue One. And yeah, they are definitely significantly better than what uh lucasfilm originally put out so the fact that they're actually going out and you know hiring talent that are fans to help them do better in the coming future movies is good news if only because again yeah i if you go way back to our previous mandalorian episodes for season two i don't think most of us were that impressed with the way that luke looked in that his face was just way off yeah There's something certain to be said for people doing this on the side-ish, I want to say. You know, I I do want to issue not a correction so much as a clarification that the news headlines have all been calling this guy a YouTuber. He's not a YouTuber in the sense of someone who's regularly on YouTube. He is a He is a guy that does like graphics design and digital work and um, digital effects and stuff who posts things, his work on YouTube. So like YouTube isn't his primary thing so much as it is the like a place where he like promotes the stuff that he is working on as part of his actual professional life. So you just want to make sure people understand that he's not like an influencer. Yeah. Like he's not like a what's this guy of. Jake Paul or Logan Paul or mm. some other YouTuber. I believe person. there are at least two of them. Yes. Uh, <laughs> disease written like garbage. Yeah. Disease written <laughs> garbage. Uh, you know, he's not one of these influencer types that that's all they do is post on YouTube and mm. all they do is co- make content for YouTube. And there are 
legitimate channels that do. I'm not, I don't want to make fun of all YouTubers, right? Like there are a bunch that I follow, like Marquez Brownlee, who does tech reviews and all of his stuff is on YouTube and he creates all his content for YouTube. But um, this guy's not a YouTuber in the pure sense like that. He is a graphics design professional who posts his work on YouTube. And so there is something to be said though, for these people that don't exactly work for these giant effects houses like uh, Lucasfilm or Weighted Digital, who are able to essentially from home put together the, this work that ends up being better than the finished product we're presented on the big screen, or in this case, the streaming screen or web browser screen. You know, it's just, that does blow me away how these people are seemingly able to do this from home with limited resources compared to Disney and can do a better job. Now, offhand, do either of you know, is this one of the same guys that also did, I think I saw a brief clip of somebody putting Harrison Ford's face on the young solo actor? I think, I think he did. I think this is that same guy. Okay, because I know obviously YouTube, there are plenty of deep fakers out there, but I just remember seeing that clip and going, huh, that's a thing. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh Nathan, I did, I don't know if you remember uh, you talking about Lucasfilm, like grabbing people that are basically sharing their things online, right? Cap uh, finding their content and then bringing them in to make their work better. This reminds me a lot of a very, very old deep cut Ryan versus Dorkman. Oh yeah, from the Force.net. Yeah, so this was an old clip. Uh, Basically, a couple friends got together and made this lightsaber duel. If you were Star Wars nerds like we were back in uh, the 2000s when this was going down, uh, <laughs> you were like gushing over this. We watched it on repeat. You try to do it yourself and failed miserably. You know, I'm sure there's bankruptcy paperwork filed for Smack Pat Productions somewhere. Um, you know, but uh, just... It, it was incredible. If you have a chance, I'll, well, I'll try and find it. If it's still on, all alive on the internet somewhere and drop a link in the description for those that haven't seen it uh, or for those who are listening who want to see it, we'll drop a link there in the show notes uh, to go and check this out because the same thing happened. The guy, Ryan Weber, that worked on that, the Ryan from Ryan versus Dorkman, ended up getting hired by Lucasfilm for a short time afterwards, uh, doing some work with them as a result of the popularity that his work gained online when it was posted. And this was back in the day, I think, before YouTube. This was back when QuickTime was the big player in playing online videos. So uh, that reminded me a lot of that. And I thought that was cool. You're, you're saying QuickTime's still not a thing? It was Should still I go a ahead thing. And get rid of that player? It's still a thing, just not as big of a thing as YouTube is now. Mm, so now it's slow time. Mm, no. I mean, like, do you remember when you wanted to go look up a movie trailer, you went to Apple's website because they had a bunch of movie trailers on there that played in their QuickTime player. Now, when you want to play movie trailers, you go to YouTube. But speaking of movie trailers, we're going to move on from that boring discussion. And hey... Marvel's Eternals had its final trailer released and, this and it really actually good. gives us some story details which is good because not that the first trailer was bad but nobody really knew what was going on in it half of it be because nobody knows what the Eternals are 
because they're like super deep deep cuts of comics and stuff that nobody really paid attention to and even with this new trailer it's kind of hard to figure out but at least it answers a lot of the questions or leads us to them like hey eternals if you guys have been around a while why didn't you help with like a thanos and avengers stuff it's not super great reasons but it's reasons they can only really fight their specific villains that they were created to fight yeah why not sure it's kind of hand wavy but i would say if you haven't seen the trailer yet go ahead and give it a watch the movie's coming out on november 5th i don't know that any of us will necessarily see it then because we're probably still not going to be going to theaters but we'll see it whenever it comes out on disney plus after that did either of you all watch it i did i saw it as well i thought it was incredible compared to the first trailer um i did appreciate that they explained you know i guess some of they're kind of like you said they're basically trying to tell us who the eternals are and what kind of is going on or going to be happening and why they haven't been involved but i think it's kind of like also funny that you know they had this is one of those like they kind of had to do this like i wonder how success one i don't know i hope i'm wrong I don't feel like Eternals is going to be largely successful. I'm hoping enough people will see that it's Marvel and they'll give it a shot. Uh, But because they're not very well-known comic book characters and they've been basically absent this entire time, I don't know how many people are going to like grab onto this and be like, oh yeah, I definitely want to see this. And so I feel like this final trailer with, heavy expedition was marvel's way of like okay we need to try and get people interested in these guys let's explain why that they've been there the whole time and why they couldn't help and hopefully people will be interested in watching the movie to learn like the full reasons why i think it's probably the first real test is going to be like along these same lines shang chi most people don't really know what a shang chi is if that seems like it can perform well with the Marvel name behind it coming out in September, that would probably bode well for Eternals in November. Granted, I know it's not in a one-to-one comparison because Shang-Chi looks like it's going to also harken back to a bunch of like martial arts movies, which Mm -hmm. that has its own audience. Eternals is not that same thing. Looking like it's going for more of like a, grand scope type thing so who knows i don't know i will watch it at some point yeah the thing i'm worried about is they're starting off this next phase with a lot of like unknown kind of characters and groups of characters however you want to describe it so i'm worried that they're going to think that people not going to see it in theaters because of the worldwide pandemic is because they weren't interested in the characters to begin with and that's what's going to make them fail is that they didn't get the turnout they wanted because people are just going not going to the theaters anyway hmm. yeah i mean i hope the studios at this point are smart enough to to put two and two together to know that we're still kind of in the middle of this and that that's going to affect turnout especially because they're not going to release it online and in theaters at the same time hmm. um i think it's a little you know personal opinion here foolish that um, these uh, studios are not are starting to pull away from dual release. Um, I thought pandemic or no, I thought dual release was a good was a good model. Yeah, it hurts theaters in a sense, you know, they're not going to get as much business. But I mean, if you make 
if you made the price point, like I didn't have, let's put it this way, the way Disney was doing it, um, and we'll not talk about the Scarlett Johansson stuff because we did that last time. But the Although way Disney is- you can take a small tangent on it because I think Disney, whether because of the lawsuit or not, just put out current numbers for what Black Widow has made under its dual release. A lot of people are speculating that, oh, they've inflated these numbers now to kind of lessen the impact of the lawsuit and show that uh, Scarlett Johansson is making some of the money that she wanted to make. Mm. But- yeah, it looks like maybe the dual release worked pretty well for it. I think it looks like it's going to make its budget back um, and then some for Black Widow. I don't. I want to say I think combined total is about five hundred million off of a two hundred million budget. So that's still not. Depending on how much a uh, uh, budget additional was like for marketing, etc., and stuff. I nobody really knows what those numbers are except for the Disney people. If it's a good amount. It's definitely not a billion dollars like yeah. a, uh, an Avengers Endgame, but not everything needs to be either. Yeah. The general rule of thumb when it comes to things like marketing is basically whatever production costs, it's the same. So like if it, if the movie costs $150 million to make, they generally spend that same amount on marketing. Um, so they basically just double it. And then that, that would be the total, you know, cost of the movie. But anyway, um, I think if I liked, I don't have a problem with the way Disney was doing their releases where you're paying a premium to see it early online because the way Disney was doing it, the price difference isn't necessarily like a huge difference, like $30 to see black widow early at home would have been what I would have spent for me and my wife to go watch it in theaters anyway, with the typical going rate of a, you know, a a matinee these days. Right. Uh, I would have spent the same amount now, but we've also would have spent gas and we also would have bought popcorn and expensive overpriced popcorn, expensive overpriced candy, unless you sneak it into the theater, um, you know, an expensive soda and all that kind of stuff. So by the time you walk away from that theater visit, you've spent at least 50 bucks for two feet for two people. Whereas I could have spent 30 and I could have heat up the Orville Redenbacher popcorn in my microwave and been just as happy and be comfortable and be able to pause and use the restroom and wait, I missed that part. Let's rewind it. What did they say? Turn on the subtitles, all that good stuff. Uh, so uh, I think if they, if they keep the price attractive enough uh, so that people don't completely dismiss it and go to the theater, but not so cheap that people don't go to the theater completely uh, like HBO Max, where they're basically showing it at regular member price. You don't have to pay extra to watch it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, then people will kind of be able to make that decision of, well, it's going to cost me roughly the same whether I go to the theater or not. So which is more important to me, the theater experience and having that giant, giant, huge bucket of popcorn with my giant soda and with a bunch of people laughing and screaming at all the big parts. Like I can tell you like, when I saw Endgame, the experience of being in the room in a theater full of people, when Cap grabs Mjolnir, you cannot experience that at home. I don't care who is around you. It could have been the three of us with a bunch of our other nerd friends. The atmosphere would not have been the same as you are with a ton of people who are just screaming, hell yes, at the top of their lungs when that moment happens, or laughing at funny moments, or crying when Iron Man dies, spoiler alert. Um, you know, so there is there is definitely a reason to go see it in theaters. And 
when it's safe to do so. I highly recommend that when you can go watch in a theater for some of those big releases, but I do like releasing it online as well for some of those where, yeah, I can watch this at home. You know, like I don't need to go see, you know, I don't need to take my daughters to go see Frozen 3 in the theaters with a bunch of other kids crying and screaming and needing to go to the bathroom every five minutes. I can watch that at home. But when Avengers 4 or 5 or whatever they're going to do next, Young Avengers comes out, uh, that would be something where I'd be like, yeah, let's all get together and let's go to the theater and experience that with the entire nerddom you know mm -hmm. uh so it sounds to me like you just need to let it go robert <laughs> i wish i could but my daughters won't let me so moving on from movie news this one is one of those things where it's going to touch on a couple things for me in the gaming industry but specifically to this series as well so recent news dropped that halo infinite is going to launch without co-op and if you care, Forge Mode. Uh, Forge Mode is cool. That one I can understand not being at launch, whatever. I mean, I, I wouldn't use it as much, so I'm okay. But co-op. And Forge campaign, Mode is. Forge Mode is where you can create like your own levels and all that kind of stuff. You can go back and um, it, it's a, it's a, it's rewatch moments of the game. Editor. Yeah, it's an overglorified map editor. But you can also do things like go back. It was Forge Mode also had some of that stuff where you could go back and replay matches and watch things from different angles and stuff that was also part of forge mode so uh but anyway there is no campaign co-op at launch uh, and so there's a couple things here that 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 bug me when we play when halo 2 came out i remember one of my one of my favorite memories of this group and, and our other friends um is getting together when halo 2 launched all of us waiting till midnight standing outside of game stonk to pick up our copy at midnight then run home and install it on our xboxes and play in 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 the living room and four different screens all of us there playing the campaign co-op together because it was something incredible about experience experiencing this story for the first time together and we were up to like 5 a.m playing it and we all passed out immediately afterwards and i just i remember having an amazing time no, the amazing time was when we forgot our stuff and had to drive back to go pick up a pre-order for, I believe, was it three or was it ODST? No, it would have been one of three. Those. Yeah. Having to drive at breakneck speed to get back to the midnight release. Not that great. But anyway, the experience of, of enjoying co campaign co-op at launch together was amazing. And the fact that that's not going to be there um, is disappointing to me because this is going to be the first Halo game in a very long time. I don't know the math. Maybe one of you guys can look it up while I'm ranting here. Uh, if not, that's okay. But it's been the first Halo game for a while. And it would have been really cool for the three of us to be able to get together because it's coming out on Game Pass, which, and we, which we all have. So we wouldn't have had to pre-order it um, to go pick it up at midnight or anything like that or, you know, or download it and all that kind of junk. We could have just had it there and played it together and experienced that and kind of recapture that that experience of watching playing it together for the first time. And so it, I'm bummed that it doesn't have it. But what bothers me more about this is that this is a trend what I, that I'm seeing in the gaming industry where games are launching incomplete. Mm -hmm. 
Um, hey, this hey, it, this would be different if campaign co-op was something new that they were introducing in Halo Infinite. Then I would get that, oh, this is this new thing we thought we were going to be able to make happen. We can't make it happen. And we really want to launch this game because we know you guys are going to enjoy it. And we'll release that feature later, free of cost. You know, but since this is a staple of the franchise, something that has always been there at launch, for them to not have it at launch is like, Microsoft, did, did you forget what this series is? You know, what it what it came with, what it involves, like that you're just not going to have that. But again, going back to the gaming industry where they're launching games incomplete, but still charging the full price and then launching the feature later that people at that point may not be interested in in utilizing anymore. Uh, how do you guys feel about um, co-op, a campaign co-op not being available at launch for Infinite? So to be fair, I, this is all, all these headlines are coming out now because they basically reconfirmed it. But if you go back and look at any of their E3 stuff from earlier this year, they all they said that there was coming out this year was the single player campaign and the first season of multiplayer, which is going to be free to play. They did not say anything about like the co-op was going to be coming this year or Forge. I'm not sure what brought them about to like say it again and reconfirm it. And now we're all all of a sudden getting more of these headlines about it. Maybe it was just more subtle during the E3 pressers and everybody was just focused on like more of the gameplay instead of like right now. It's like we still do not have a concrete release date short of them between our recording time now and release date of this episode all of a sudden coming out with one. Who knows? Maybe if they do, I'm just going to open my mouth here and uh, we'll go ahead and insert that in there. So look forward to Halo Infinite on okay pre-order now good so it's disappointing in one way but the alternative is for them to delay it again which would disappoint a lot of people if they have the single player campaign done and polished and if it launches well they should just go ahead and do that the other alternative would have been if they put a bunch of their resources into just the multiplayer which is going to be free to play anyway, and then launch that before doing the campaign. But then you'll have a bunch of people complaining about no campaign at all. So it's kind of a rock and a hard place. This is already releasing a year later than they wanted to. They wanted to release it with the new gen system that launch. So it's all one can hope for at this point is that the game will be good no matter what, even if we have to wait another three months or so to get, co-op campaign and another three months after that for forge it is what it is i know a couple of discussions i was having online about this incident this issue rather i guess i came to realize that a lot of different people play halo a lot of different ways in the way that we have enjoyed the halo franchise as robert described earlier really apparently isn't that popular with a lot of people that i spoke with they're hmm. more focused on the fact that they get to play multiplayer and they get to play it for free and then all the other features that are coming along with it. And I try to point out that, you know, even though I have Game Pass, even though the multiplayer is free, somebody who doesn't have Game Pass, they're paying full price to get access to this game. They're not going to have access to the full game, even though they paid full price. And that's when people started understanding where I was coming from, that, you know, yes, they get to play it for free. And yes, it's everything they want, but that doesn't mean it's everything that everybody would want. 
and that there are people who are in a lot worse situation who can't afford to pay for Game Pass monthly, and then they're stuck with buying whatever game they can for full price. And then, so they, they start then to come the, around. The argument could be made then that as a well-informed consumer, they would know this and they would either wait for it to be on sale or would they would wait for it to have the features that they want in it. If You're they sure. specifically only want the Halo for the co-op, they don't have Game Pass. No, they should not go out and pay $60 for Halo Infinite at launch. Mm-hmm. They can wait. Yep. So that's you get true. to exclude some of your audience. So that's what it comes down to. Again, rocking hard place. Yep. Sure. So, oh, well, I guess we all can't be multi-billion dollar, trillion dollar conglomerates and make these kind of decisions. So, but anyway, let's move on to our main topic. We are here to talk about The Bad Batch. Uh, Bad Batch was on Disney+. Plus. It is a continuation of the Clone Wars series, uh, kind of. Uh, Bad Batch themselves were introduced in the final season of the Clone Wars during the Bad Batch arc, where we meet the main characters or the Bad Batch. I'm going to say Bad Batch a lot of times. It's going to be bad. Batch of jokes. Uh, so anyway, we get they get their own series now, and we're basically following the misadventures of this batch as they deal with the consequences of Order 66 and finding their place in the galaxy now that um, the the imps seem to want to get rid of all the clones, or at least have no real use for them anymore. Uh, we are introduced to a new character in this series, Omega, or Omega, as some are prone to call her. Uh, and a couple of other characters make some return visits. I'm sure we'll cover some of that here. If you have not seen The Bad Batch, uh, you may want to pause this episode, because we may be spoiling some things, and go watch it, and then come back. We will pretty wait. sure it's not a may. I'm pretty sure it is a we oh, we are and we will. Uh, so go watch it and then come back. We'll wait. James, open your mouth. I'll insert some Jeopardy music. You're not James. So anyway, uh, I guess we'll start off our talk here for Bad Batch with, um, I guess, what you all thought overall. Let's start with, uh, you know, did you enjoy the show and did anything stand out to you? Good or bad or otherwise. Um, I really enjoyed the the 70 minute premiere when it first came on and kind of had some high hopes for it. Uh, the premiere, it, you know, just shows how the end of the Clone Wars ended. Yeah, yeah, that goes without saying. And how the Bad Batch are kind of like noticing the Empire rising up and all the stuff that's going on with that and how they're going to react to it. And it was a really good, like, you know, mini movie type thing. And then the rest of the series kind of just, I don't know, it didn't really limp along. But to me, I wasn't as impressed with it after watching that 70 minute movie. Maybe it's because it didn't quite need to be 16 episodes for this season. I would have been fine with like maybe 10 or 13. But overall, I, I enjoyed the season well enough. It has the same star wars quality maybe problem depending on who you ask of like making the universe tinier than it should be by having all of these cameos of people that we've seen before it, it's the same issue with like the the skywalker saga and everything being about them and everybody having to connect to them whether it needs to or not 
a la Mandalorian season two finale having Luke in it. All these cameos, I guess, are nice to see some of these characters again, but it just it makes everything feel so small for what is a huge, expansive galaxy. We don't need to see all of the same people over and over and over again. We don't need to see the same planets over and over and over again. <laughs> we could have something new being done. But I'm, I'm going to just chalk this up to Star Wars cartoon first season syndrome. If you go back and look at the first, actually probably first couple seasons of Clone Wars, it takes a long time for it to get, get its groove. If you go back to the first season of Rebels, oh man, it just feels like, um, shoot, what's the name, main character again? Ezra. Um, Ezra, yeah, he just feels like an Aladdin ripoff that's a, kind of an annoying brat for that first season. And then finally in the second one, it picks up a bit. In the third, or second, or third and fourth, whatever. So I'm going to chalk this up to like, it's just got that first season. It's trying to get its leggings. And by the finale, it's setting some stuff up that might be interesting going forward. So hopefully it can keep with it. So you mentioned cameos. And cameos is a thing that stood out to me uh, for a little bit there. Uh, well, first, 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 feel... first, first, first. What did you think, Nathan? <laughs> I'm going to get to that, but sure. Um to me, my impression of it was this is exactly the quality of Star Wars content that I've come to expect from Disney. And that's basically the whole of everything I thought about watching this series, this season. Succinct review. Yeah, but didn't you, did you like Clone Wars, Nathan? I eventually enjoyed Clone Wars. Like you said, the first season or so, it took a while to get its leggings. That's why I'm hoping, like you said, that this is just first season mm. syndrome with this. I just, if this is all the show is going to be from here on out, then I'm done and caught up with it. I thought it was great. The intro uh, was great. The mm -hmm. rest of the series I liked as well. Um, there are some episodes that, you know, the show definitely dips into that typical, you know, Star Wars serial thing, you know, adventure of the week kind of thing. Um, there were a couple of times there where it dipped into like Mandalorian territory with the they need this thing in order to get this thing. They got to do this thing for this other person until they do that thing. Then they can get the thing that they want. Um, it kind of dipped into that territory as well. I mean, it makes sense when you have the same people working on these projects, but for the most part, I enjoyed the heck out of it. It was, I loved the clone war series and that may be part of it. Um, I thought it was a fantastic animated series. And so this just feels like, more Clone Wars to me. Um, yeah, we're not, we don't have Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka like we did in Clone Wars. We've got a new group, but it still feels very much like the Clone Wars did. And I'm, I'm here for it. I like all the characters and no one, you know, stood out to me as a character. I didn't like or anything like that, you know, other than it having its couple of well, filler type episodes. I thought the show was fantastic. So but I want to go back to this thing about cameos because there was a, a minute there where it just felt like cameo of the week. Uh, and so, you know, was there a cameo that you didn't care for? Um, what was your, we'll say, what was your least favorite cameo and your favorite cameo uh, that you can recall off the top of your head? And um, some of the obvious ones are going to be like Chopper and uh, Hera. 
right? Um, Cad Bane uh, is in there uh, off the top of my head are the ones I can think of. Any of those that, that you guys remember that you didn't care for or you thought were great? For me, the least favorite was, I forget their names, but the, the two sisters with R7 when they were trying mm-hmm. to retrieve that tactical board. The Martez sisters, yes. Yeah, it seemed very coincidental and very forced for them to come across them, I felt. So I didn't care for that cameo. I did like seeing Cad Bane because I always like seeing Cad Bane and Cad Bane, Cad Bane. I love Cad Bane and more Cad Bane. Can't we just get Star Wars the Cad Bane Power Hour or something like that? <laughs> James? Yeah, I, I also agree that the sisters... I don't know, maybe just because we had only just been introduced to them in the final season of Clone Wars. I don't know. It They felt out of place a little bit. And also, while Hera is a, a fun character in Star Wars Rebels, I don't know that she needed an entire episode devoted just to her and her family with the Bad Batch barely in it. It ends up being a two-parter, and thankfully in the second part, the Bat the batch actually does stuff but like that first episode where it's just almost a slice of life of here's Hera on Ryloth and oh no bad stuff is going on on Ryloth I I don't it felt weird it's like we weren't watching Bad Batch anymore at that point we were watching the Hera show I do like that they used Ryloth as a setting for showing the transition from Republic to Empire. But you're right. I don't think it should have focused so much on Hera and her family. I I think that might have been the downfall is that, you know, the Batch were not featured as much in the first episode. In the second episode, yeah, but in the first episode, not really, you know. And um, because I do think that there was a place for those two episodes. Like Nathan said, it is establishing what the transition looks like for the Empire. It does answer some questions about you know, Hera's background that we see later in Rebels. I mean, these shows are all connected. And I get that, you know, James pointed out earlier that this is kind of a problem where it makes the galaxy tiny uh, because everything is so connected. But I thought some of my favorite, well, I get that Star Wars has an issue where it can be a little too connected or try too hard to connect things to make the galaxy tiny. One of my favorite things about Star Wars, especially with some of the new stuff we're getting is the creative ways they are able to connect some things together. And so while, yeah, I agree. I don't know that the Hera arc needed two episodes. I thought it was cool for establishing some of Hera's background. We see kind of hints about, you know, for example, spoiler alert in Rebels, her mom is dead. In Bad Batch, she's alive. So now the question is, is what happens between now and then that she passes? We know whatever happens creates a rift between her and her father. And so for me, it just reignited those questions from before about, you know, what happened and seeing what it was like before those things happened now makes me hope that they might fill in some of that stuff later. So yeah, Hera, not, uh, not, it, it just, it just sort, it sort of felt cheesy. Like we didn't need the Hera origin of like, oh, wow, here's her first time like piloting a ship and stuff. It's and like, those are the parts I agree with you yeah. on where it didn't need to be all Hera centric. I would have been fine with one. It could have even been two episodes as long as the Bad Batch had always been there the entire time. But yeah, I didn't need Hera learning to pilot. I didn't need her finding her purpose and stuff like that. You know, it was a little too heavy handed on the let's focus on Hera only when the show is Bad Batch. And so those are the parts where I'm 100% on board with you that they could have done without. Um, Yeah, my least favorite cameo would have to be the Martez sisters. But 
there are some interesting connections there because they are there with um, Ahsoka's droid mm-hmm. uh, that we see her with uh, towards the end. Of, I believe she's uh, towards the end of Clone Wars, the droid that she has, they have that droid with them. And so now there is a connection between, and we know from the finale, there's a connection between them, but we know that there is still a connection between the Martez sisters and the Ahsoka. And with the Ahsoka series coming and the fact that Bad Batch will continue, again, this is one of those things where yeah, I don't really care for the Martez sisters themselves, but what they mean is more Ahsoka, which I am totally happy to have in the Bad Batch too, if we can get her and with her own series coming, it just makes me excited for that. Uh, but Nathan, Cad Bane. Yeah. Cad Bane, mm-hmm. Cad Bane, Cad Bane, Cad Bane, Cad Bane. Give me more Cad Bane. Put him in Mandalorian. Put him in everything. This is a character I did not re- I did not know I missed terribly when he shows up on scene i was like yes this is like oh like almost like on the level with boba fett's return to form in mandalorian like when he's got the armor on and he's just destroying everybody like almost on the level with that where i'm just like oh my god yes give me more cad bane and bring him in mandalorian and i want to see a cad bane boba fett like thing or bring him in book book of boba fett would be even better because supposedly there are um unreleased episodes but there have been some storyboarding of a duel between boba fett and cad bane uh the dent above its helmet is supposedly from a duel from cad bane uh, with cad bane uh cad bane i picked this up in some breakdowns after the season had aired he's got a metal plate on his head that could have also been from that duel so i'm hoping like give me a cad bane boba duel flashback in book of boba fett um like i am dying for more cad bane yes please more cad bane such an amazing character it sounds um, like what you two need are just some cad bane cadbury themed eggs available now cad bane cream filling why are you gonna make it weird <laughs> it's disney give them five minutes and they'll market it yeah or we could just get some star wars detours that had cad bane in it mm. anyway uh, so we haven't talked really a whole lot about the main crew of the Bad Batch. Uh, we've got, uh, what is it? Six of them, right? We've got Hunter. We've got Tech, Echo. Uh, we got Wrecker. We have, um, I always forget his name, Crosshair awesome. and Omega. Uh, and I'll repeat those again for our New Zealanders. Those are Hunter, Tick, Echo, Ricka, Crosshair, and Omega. So, oh, Robert, um, this is amazing. I'm I'm looking at our numbers from New Zealand now. Um, they don't exist anymore. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what happened. We owe them viewers in New Zealand now. <laughs> um. So I, I guess we'll do the same thing we did. Favorite uh, Bad Batch character, least favorite Bad Batch character, and why. Should we all just assume that Nathan's favorite is Wrecker? We can. Do you want to go first, Nathan? That's a pretty safe bet. I mean, because I remember I I was geeking out about him in a previous episode we recorded when they first introduced the Bad Batch in Clone Wars. And yeah. I mean, I don't um, want to make assumptions based on, I, I think back in the day, one of your favorite uh, Team Fortress 2 characters was the Heavy. So, you know. I think the one you're talking about, Nathan, is. is him lifting the gonk droid. He's benching the gonk droid or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. 
Yep. I was wondering why you're doing that arm motion. Um, yeah, I I have to say Wrecker is tied for my favorite Bad Batch character. Uh, and that's because Crosshair takes mm-hmm. the other spot. I like them both fairly equally. And I know that's probably controversial because you basically have one hero and one villain, but they're both still in the Bad Batch, technically. And also, they are the two members with the most personality in the show. I don't really care for anybody else because Hunter is nondescript, Tech is an asshole, and Echo is there. Tech is just tired of all of the stupid help desk calls and having to tell people to turn off and on their machines again. And I can't blame him for that. I really can't. But, like, I remember when they first showed Omega and it's like, okay, she's going to be part of this crew. And then you're going to have these trained military soldiers trying to learn how to be fathers or father figures for this girl, for this little girl. I can get behind this kind of setup and scenario and, and all that good jazz. And just the entire time, it's like tech is not responding to that relationship whatsoever, which is okay but they never address it either. To me, it seems like the only one that they kind of paint heavily with a father type relationship is Hunter. Everybody else seems more like brothers. Mm -hmm. If that record, yes. The other two, not as much. Like I don't really see echo echo does stand out every now and again and help out with uh, Omega. Like I remember him being nice to her, but like tech is just like nowhere there whatsoever. But I, I, my point being that since they're moving on to be familial figures for her, they never address how cold and like calculating he is like with them. It makes sense. They're used to him and how he works, but with her, she obviously needs a little bit more kind of like care and attention, that kind of stuff. And it's just never addressed. And I really felt if they had even just mentioned like tech, you got to like explain things to her better. Cause like I was trying to rewatch some of the series, the earlier episodes, and it's the one where they're moving the chips Mm -hmm. from their heads. And Omega asked Tech specifically, what was the war like? And he's like, oh, it was a series of operations that led to a primary goal or something to that effect. Well, yeah, but what was it like? I just told you. And it's just like, come on, man. <laughs> I guess that's maybe his character. I, I, I will agree with you that he does, he does get of the group. He is one of, I think, the two that gets the least amount of attention or character development in the show. You could maybe make an argument that that maybe his personality is sort of like maybe they're trying to portray him as being somewhere on the spectrum, possibly. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't want to discount it at all, because I don't want to, like, make people who are on the spectrum feel bad about themselves uh-huh. or anything. But I still think it should have been something that they addressed within the first season where they're establishing the relationships between all the members that are going to be basically every episode mm-hmm. for the series. Yeah. James? I mean, I, I don't know if I really have a favorite. It's Wrecker probably just stands out as being like the most fun out of them, I guess. I didn't really have that much of a problem with Hunter. It just, it by the end of the season, it was getting a little formulaic with the whole like Omega wants Hunter to do something and Hunter is like, no. And eventually Omega's like, we should do that thing. And Hunter's like, fine. It's, that seemed to be a way that a lot of the episodes were going, which I don't know, maybe a consequence of some of those episodes being like, you know, uh, not monster of the week, but like that type of thing, like job yeah. of the week. It's it's Sid's job of the week. We got to go do this. OK, I don't know. Yeah. Wrecker was good. Hunter was OK. The rest of them, eh, they're there. Yeah. I have to say my favorite character 
is probably going to be, I, I guess, no surprise here, Wrecker. We're going to give him a three for three, I guess. Uh, just because he seems to be, he's just kind of got that fun-loving brother-type feel. Like, he reminds me a lot of, like, you, Nathan. Um, that just, like, the big guy loves to have fun, jolly. Yeah, he'll get serious when he needs to, but why can't we have fun while doing it kind of thing? Um, and I know that that's something I've always appreciated about you. And so, you know, I like that a lot about Wrecker. Um, my least favorite character of the group. I, I want to, I want to give this character a pass, but I, I don't, I, you know, it, cause it's still early. It is their first season, but I would have to go with Omega because they're, they're being very like mysterious with like her purpose, like why she exists um we know that there are probably a couple of things that are really like we know like she is supposedly like the only pure clone of Django Fett something like that there were only two unaltered clones that were made one was Alpha which was Boba and then the other is Omega which is Omega uh you know you see what they did there Alpha and Omega the first and the last uh so you know, we know a couple of things like that. We know that she was there when the rest of the batch were made. Uh, so she was there to see all their augmentations and experimentations and all that kind of stuff. So she's known the batch longer than they've known each other, technically. She's also older than they are, uh, technically. So there are a couple of things there that, like, make it make Omega a very interesting character for what she her existence could mean. But they don't delve into it at all in the entire series um they keep it like very very secretive and they don't really dig into that we know it's got some stuff to do with nala say we know at the end of the series nala say ends up on um shoot i forgot the name of the planet but you know she ends up on this planet and the doctor that she's introduced to has the same patch that dr pershing has in mandalorian so we know that it's cloning Palpatine's involved in some way, shape, or form. We know that they really wanted Omega back. Uh, towards the end, it didn't seem like they really needed her. And the Empire's doing the thing that it always does, where it's like, eh, we don't need this thing. And then they blow it up, and then they're like, oh, crap, maybe we needed that thing. Oh, well, we'll figure it yeah, out. Fun fun fact for Nathan, the, the place that the the Doctor ends up at is this, it's uh, bringing some more stuff in from the Legends continuity, it's the same cloning facility that was featured in the uh, original Thrawn trilogy. The Mount, mm-hmm. I forget uh-huh. what it is, Mount something. Yes. It's a Star Wars name, so it's always me. hard to, yes, it's always hard to remember how to pronounce it, but it is that. So they're bringing in some more legend stuff, which is always cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, for Omega, I am. I will say I'm glad, I'm glad that they did not go the easy route and try to have her be force sensitive at least as of the end of this season we're, we're not really getting a ton more hints of that in the premiere episode movie whatever it felt like they were maybe trying to tease that there were a couple of times where like we would see her and through her empathy and stuff it seemed like she was able to predict things or uh, kind of get a feel for what people were going to do or feeling and it's like, okay, is that just like some sort of just really good knowing what clones are going to clone? Or is that just some sort of uh, build off of uh, empathy? Or a lot of people thought it could have been the Force. And I'm glad they did not go down that route because it's a Star Wars. I just chalked that 
I just chalked that up to bad writing, honestly. I didn't even think about it possibly being force sensitivity. So, so then let's let's talk about that then, since we're kind of like through the through the character thing here. Do you how would you feel if they eventually end up revealing that Omega is force sensitive? It's not anything we need, honestly, as far as I'm concerned. The only thing we might get out of an Omega other than, you know, more seasons of Bad Batch is a lot of people are speculating. Maybe this is going to be some sort of backdoor to her showing up in the Book of Boba Fett live action thing. Sure. I mean, she, she could also show up in Mandalorian. The, she would be the same age. Well, yes, but we're having the Book of Boba Fett first and it's going to be Boba Fett centric. And if she is mm. essentially another Django clone, so she's Boba's sister, sister of a sort. Mm-hmm. yeah that's good that, that would be a way to introduce that would be a time to introduce her into live action stuff how would you feel nathan if they make her force sensitive i i don't think i'd be mad if they wrote it well enough but at the same time i'd be like what's the point what why is it essential for this character to have force sensitivity that they have kept latent until just now whenever they do reveal it sure. if they do reveal it like like, because if, if to me, if they were going to reveal her as being force sensitive, then they would be doing a lot more heavy handed clues, similar to what James was talking about in the first episode. I can't think of any other time that her empathy seems to be as spot on as it was in that yeah. first episode. Um, I'm, I'm with you. On, I'm with Nathan on this one. I, if they did it, it would need to like serve some greater purpose. Like, we know that she was cloned we know that palpatine is trying to clone because somebody didn't think it through when they you yeah, know decided to bring she's palpatine back now. for the sequels there always seems to be another one around um you know but i would imagine that if they go to make her force sensitive it'll have something to do with palpatine and cloning and all that because we're getting little pieces here and there through comics and whatever that palpatine was involved in cloning and his plan was to try and create a clone so that he could essentially move his spirit into that body and live on forever and whatnot and so if it's tied to that larger thing um you know explaining how what you know that this was all part of Palpatine's plan to create a force sensitive clone and that kind of makes her important in one in some way shape or form or valuable to the empire or whatever I think it may make for some interesting story but I I just I guess what what bugs me about Omega in season one and if she isn't force sensitive is then what what is her purpose other than the obvious bringing in younger audience into this show because clearly from the first episode this isn't like rebels or clone war season one or resistance blah, if you watch that uh where the intro to all of these shows are starting with a very young audience so yeah, nobody could stand Ezra Miller. He's a little brat, but all the other little brats growing up with the show identify with him. And so they're bringing up kids and these kids are growing up with the show. And that's why the shows typically in later seasons get more mature because the audience is becoming more mature. Well, the problem is it's in Bad Batch. You are bringing in all the people like us that grew up on Clone Wars who are still grown up, some of us. And, uh, you know, you need some anchor point for the younger audience to grab onto because the rest of the what's going on is too mature for them. And so I get Omega's purpose, Omega's purpose, Omega's purpose there. Uh, but she still needs to serve a purpose for the regular, the other people, the older people watching this show. And what is her overall purpose in this show, other than to just 
constantly be like, well, let's do this. And then Hunter say no. And then, yeah, let's do this. And then she finally says yes, or she goes and does it anyway and gets herself in trouble. Um, so I have issues sometimes with that character because it's like, what is her purpose? Like, give me something. Is she force sensitive? Cool. And I could hold on to that for now. Uh, her anyway. purpose is to sell the electric bow and arrow toy. That is true. I anticipated her purpose for the story was going to be to help soften and transition the Bad Batch into a more civilian lifestyle. Sure. I like that, too. I like that, too. Okay. Um, Before we wrap up with uh, some thoughts, I do want to talk a little bit about the finale here. But before we get into the finale, are there any standout moments from the show that you guys liked that you want to talk about? I mean, I... I really liked. Uh, I'll just say again, I really liked the premiere. I kind of wish the rest of the series would have kept on with that same kind of, you know, I don't know. I can't exactly put a full, you know, pin on what it was about it, but it just felt really good seeing the early formations of the empire. It seemed like some of that might have stalled out through the rest of the season. Maybe just because like I know they can't focus on it 100% and everything, but I don't know. it. Yeah, I liked seeing the formation. The, the whole premiere being like, they know that something bad is about to go down and they're just kind of trying to be inconspicuous and like, all right, well, we're just going to kind of try to do our own thing here. Hope nobody tries to take us out. Oh no, they're going to take us out and now we're on our own. The, the series, I think, did suffer when finally we did get Sid, who she's not a bad character. Rhea Perlman does a pretty good portrayal for her. I don't know if she's done a lot of voice work prior to this or not, but when we get Sid, everything just becomes job of the week and formulaic for the most part. And it kind of suffers at that point. Um, I did like the Sid character. Like if I didn't have to uh narrow down to just the bad batch i would have said sid is my favorite character because i really do like her as a character i do agree with james it does become extremely formulaic when she gets in the, in the picture but that's not the point uh the thing that stood out to me was i loved the build-up for wrecker's chip going haywire on him and how it was like three episodes before that he started getting headaches and then the episode with the sisters that we were talking about, he keeps banging his head on everything, which seems to make it worse <laughs> and worse and worse. And, he has a helmet. Right, yeah, you he know, it's like, just wear it all the time. <laughs> and then, like, the actual resolution for that was very underwhelming, and I was really mm-hmm. disappointed with that. And that every time I think about it, it's like, oh, the buildup was so fantastic. I thought it was going to be like a whole episode of, of Wrecker wrecking things, trying to, you know, and then they finally are able to, like, knock him out or whatever. And it just, it didn't pan out that way. And I was disappointed and i was like well so i want i, I mean, want to did you expect it to be like the the uh suddenly turn into a third wreck it ralph movie wreck it ralph versus wrecker no matter who wins we all lose and we all get wrecked <laughs> <laughs> i guess something along those lines i thought he was gonna put up more of a fight and they're gonna have to do a lot more to take him down to help show his power especially since he wrangled a uh a rancor you know didn't take it down but he definitely mm-hmm. set his own against it yeah. she was just but. a baby rancor though <laughs> i'd like to see you Details. wrestle a baby rancor <laughs> so i want to hold on to that i want you to grab a hold of that build up and then disappoint but, i don't want to i don't i don't want to wrestle the baby rancor i'm not going to grab a hold of it you're not paying me enough i want to pay me at all why am i here 
I don't know. Why are you here? Why are any of us here? Grab on hold. That's anyway, one of life's biggest questions. You ever wonder why we're here? <laughs> no, <laughs> never. <laughs> so I wanna I wanna grab a hold of that, Nathan. What you were just saying about this buildup with Wreckers Chip, and then kind of the resolution of that being a letdown as we cap off uh, our discussion here on Bad Batch with the finale. Because that's exactly how I felt with this basically two-parter finale. Because they this the penultimate episode ends on a cliffhanger, and then we get the finale, the actual final episode. And uh, because this was the penultimate episode was the standout moment for me. This was like a huge buildup. The Empire is destroying Camino. Um, we get this whole thing with Crosshair that maybe he's good. Oh wait, he's not which I think is one of the aspects of the character why he may be your favorite is because he he's not, they don't do this typical redemption arc with him. I don't know if I'm, I'm wrong there or not, but you mentioned Crosshair being one of your favorites. And that's one of the things that I like the most about him is that they didn't go the typical redemption arc where it's like, oh, just kidding. Uh, I'm all good now. And it's like, actually, no, I wanted to save you guys because I want to give you a chance to join me on with MB Empire kind of thing. Uh, because these guys are just going to kill you and I want to give you a chance to join. I'm going to give you the thing you didn't give me, right? That he was telling them uh, by giving them a chance to, to stay with him. And so uh, that whole, like all of that, that whole altercation between the Bad Batch and the re reuniting with Crosshair technically, uh, you know, and then the tension of the entire facility is being decimated and in, in a really neat effect too. You've got the three Star Destroyers in the air and just barrage down, raining down, destroying this facility and they don't know that they're going to make it out alive. And then it ends kind of on a cliffhanger was like perfect. The buildup was amazing. And I was like, wow, I wonder how they're going to escape and what's going to happen after this. If they do escape, uh, it does someone die because there was a lot of that too. Like this whole, I'm going to give you the thing you didn't give me and second chances and whatever. And was Hunter going to die? Or was Crosshair going to die? Was Hunter going to die saving Crosshair and all this kind of, all these endless possibilities for what an amazing finale they could bring something different for this first season. And then they escape and it's over. And so the finale final episode in that sense was very disappointing for me. And I feel like I've had that same reaction like you did with the record record and his chip is that they did all this buildup and this amazing, like kind of like we're going to come up and can't wait to see what happens next. How are they going to get out of this? And then, they obviously go through some things to get out of it. And some of those things were very harrowing, but they all got out of it unscathed. Uh, they even managed to save AZ and they, they, they spoiler alert, leave record behind, leave a crosshair behind and they move on. And it was like, that's it. They survived and we move on. There's no, like, there's no tease for the next season other than Nala say being introduced to the doc, the cloning doctor or whatever. But like, that's it. We're supposed to wait till next year with nothing. And so it just, the finale final episode specifically was disappointing. I think the finale work would have worked better if they would have just ended being stuck on Camino while it's being destroyed. The penultimate episode should have been the last episode and just leave us like, Oh my God, are they going to get out and the for and then have the finale be the first episode of season two. I think would have played out better. What did you guys think of the finale? I, it, the thing is, like, we haven't had a precedent of that on any of the Star Wars series. Um, just even going with the animated stuff, like when they end a season, 
they wrap up most of the stuff for the season. I don't think we had any like, oh no, will they live or die cliffhangers? The closest you might say is maybe season two of Rebels where you're not sure at first if Ahsoka lived or died. You're assuming that she died, but then they timey-wimey it away later. Anytime a Star Wars animated thing ends a season, as far as I know, I didn't watch Resistance, so I can't speak for that but they they don't end it on like super big cliffhangers. They leave some stuff open, but nothing like, oh no, fade to black. What will happen next? Tune in next season. They're, they're really good about wrapping things up for the most part, which is good. Not everything needs to be uh, waiting on pins and needles for another year. A lot like say, uh, we're gonna have to wait for Loki to see what happened with that. I mean, but that I makes me excited for the next season. For the most part. Are you saying that you're not excited for the next season still? Not as much after seeing that finale. It kind of felt very overwhelming, under un, underwhelming. Like it was like, okay, well, when we see them again, there's nothing exciting to look forward to. I suppose yeah, that's they, your they point of view. To... <laughs> I do like that they tied it up that they that we didn't end the season with them in mortal peril. I do like they tied that up, but they also needed to address, to introduce, I guess, rather a new threat. What's going to happen next? Oh no, we lost all connection with Sid. How are we going to, you know, make a living in the world now, now that we don't have the Republic or Sid, or maybe they stumbled across some kind of experimental program on Camino and they released some kind of big bad threat that got released out there as well, or they found news of it or oh, something. Oh no, we're we just kind of left. the batter batch. Yeah, you know, like they could have been like cake off or something like that with a B-A-T-T-E-R badge or something. I don't know. Um, but just <laughs> season two, the batter batch. Right. Season three. And I thought I had the batter batch of jokes. <laughs> but yeah, they just they just kind of ended it there. And it's like, okay, that could be literally a series finale there like the show is done with and then that little tease with uh what forgot what her name was that could be for the next show they come up with where they have the the cloning batch or whatever i don't know but yeah it it was a letdown but overall thoughts on the show good thumbs up i give it a thumbs up i mean i'll watch season two also mostly just because like a lot of other things i've got disney plus already so why not it i the season wasn't bad it's just not it didn't again live up to me as much as the premiere episode maybe did hopefully again this will just be the season one slump that a lot of the star wars stuff has and the next season will be better yeah let's hope so if if we're doing pass fail at least it wasn't the sequel trilogy thumbs up but i mean very weak thumbs up to be fair you can't really compare it to something you haven't watched nathan Oh, that's true. He has not watched it. Um, right. He's, he's just zero. tempting us for the day that we, you know, make it a mandatory requirement for him to watch it. I'm going to no. I'm going to set the terms that's... right now. If we get one, one viewer from New Zealand that watches this episode, <laughs> just one, all they got to do is watch it. It's just going to show that one person from New Zealand watched it you have to watch at least for every one person, every one viewer from New Zealand we get, you have to watch one of the sequel trilogy movies. How are you going to measure that? I'm I'm sure there's a metric that tells you where each of the viewers are from, but what region of the world they're viewing from. 
We'll make it. That's easy. how we, we'll make, like, we'll make hello, it. Hello. We'll, how else do we know we'll that everybody in India you, is watching our Sonic review? We'll, we'll make it harder for you, Nathan. They have to comment that they are from New Zealand. And we will totally trust them 100%. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yes. No matter what, we're going to trust they're from New Zealand. Okay. What's that? This is Robert's friend, Zach, from work. Yeah. He's totally from New Zealand. Totally. Boy. Yeah. He says all the time. I couldn't uh, figure out why, but now I know he's from New Zealand. I hate you both so much. <laughs> so let's move on from our uh, discussion of Bad Batch and let's uh, wrap up the episode by covering our recommendations. I will go ahead and start off since I'm already talking and uh, recommend a documentary series I recently watched on Netflix with the misses with Layla uh, called Cocaine Cowboys. Uh, now, originally, Layla started watching this uh, while I was doing other things like playing games and what have you. And I would catch bits and pieces of it and watch maybe five minutes here or there. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. What are you watching? And caught like the last episode, the fourth, it's six episodes long. And I sat down and actually watched the fourth and fifth episodes with her. And I was like, wow, this is really good. And actually went back and then watched one, two, and three. Uh, And it's essentially a documentary about these two guys uh, from Miami that start this whole cocaine empire and the various things of how they rose into, you know, in the ranks of, you know, this selling and distributing cocaine and then the court cases and everything that eventually result in their downfall. Uh, and it's just, it's very interesting. I found it even more interesting because it's close to home. It happened down in Miami. Uh, and then um, the final one of the two guys was eventually, or no, one of the, uh, there's another person who ends up being a fugitive for a number of years. And it turned out that they eventually got arrested not too long ago. Like when in the last, I want to say, six-ish years in Kissimmee, Florida. Uh, So pretty darn interesting uh, to learn that. And I thought it was a very interesting um, documentary series. So it's on Netflix. It's only six episodes. Each episode's about an hour long. So it doesn't take too long to get through. You could watch it in a day if you binged it. So check it out. Well, I'm going to recommend this last week. I've been playing some of the video game Hades, It just came out on Xbox Game Pass. So if anybody's got Game Pass, you should give it a try. It's uh, developed by Supergiant Games. It originally came out in early access on PC in 2018. And then last year, it had a full release on PC along with Switch, which is where I first started hearing a bunch about it because it was the final release and it got a bunch of good reviews. And then again, this past week or two, it finally came out on Xbox and PlayStation. It is a roguelike dungeon crawler type thing. A roguelike game is where you are going to be doing a whole bunch of runs through it. Each run will vary in time, but probably be no more than like an hour and a half, two hours. Every run you start fresh, brand new. And during your run, you keep getting new abilities, you get new enhancements for your weapons and stuff. The whole point is trying to last until the end, but you are probably going to die because you're picking up resources and stuff along the way where in between your deaths, you go into the underworld, you visit a lot of Greek mythology characters there, and they can help you make permanent level ups to your character. That way on each uh, subsequent run, Uh, you can try to go further and further. And the whole point of the game is you are a son of Hades who is trying to escape the underworld. So eventually you hopefully level yourself up enough that you will be able to accomplish that. 
And then there's more stuff that happens after that. Apparently I've heard some of the spoilers, but I've been playing it and it's really fun. It is on game pass. And if you have game pass, you might as well give it a try. It got a lot of game of the year awards last year with it switch and PC release. So yeah, give it a go. So funny story in the past two weeks, uh, our AC went out for over a week and we were basically sequestered in the master bedroom with little portable AC out the window. So Jessica and I watched a lot of a new show that we had never seen before called Brooklyn nine, nine, which is a very old show. And that's just shows you how far behind I am on everything because I think it came out in 2013 and here it is eight years later, we're finally starting to watch it for the first Again, time. Nathan, it's, especially based on last week, your, your references for time and calling things old are all out of whack. Last week you called the bird cage old and that was from 96. 2013 is not old. If 2013 is old, yeah, is. what are we? We're old. We're older. We're old. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's a comedy about a bunch of cops working as detectives and the 99th precinct in Brooklyn. Hence the name of the show, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, it is again really funny. It's got some great writing. There are so many jokes that I like either groan at or I'm just dying laughing at. And we have to pause it so I can finish laughing and catch my breath. Um, fun show if you need something lighthearted to watch. Cool. I have uh, seen there's a lot of different clips and stuff of it online, like floating around on Reddit um, that are pretty hilarious. So I, I may have to check that out. So, cool. And it doesn't have a first season slump. It's great from nice. the get go. Not a lot of shows <laughs> can say that. So thanks for joining us this week. Um, we'd like to know what your thoughts on the Bad Batch were or any of the other things that we've discussed. If you want to comment on any of the news discussions that we've had, we'd love to hear your thoughts on those too. You can drop those down in the comments. Uh, you can also do that uh, by visiting us on Facebook. You go to Facebook and search for This Is Going To Be Terrible podcast or go to facebook.com slash this is going to be terrible. You can find us and leave us feedback there. No matter what, feel free to give us a like, subscribe, hit that bell. Uh, but sure, be sure to leave us a review, shut us out from the rooftops. Whatever you want to do is fine. Uh, we appreciate your feedback from you, our audience. And uh, who knows, maybe one day if somebody ever decides to comment, we can shout them out in our episodes. Uh, so we'd well, love to hear to be from fair, you. I don't think we gave a shout out the last time when our, our most recent comment was, I think again, I think it was your friend, boss, whatever, Zach, commenting on your Loki title for the episode. Mm, yeah. He's a whatever. So I think you kind of owe him one. Mm. Isaac. No, no I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> if you're from New Zealand, please do not comment. Be good to each other out there. Please do. <laughs>